All right, I am very excited for this morning's sermon because as we're talking about Matthew chapter 7, we're talking about judgment. And the best thing about preaching about judgment is no matter what I say, y'all can't say anything about it. That's what we're talking about this morning. Judgment is, is just so much fun. It's just one of those topics. And one of the things that comes to, to my mind and a lot of America's mind when we talk about judgment is mother-in-laws. Now, I am different because my mother-in-law believes that I am perfect, that I do no wrong. She never says anything negative about me or anything wrong with me. And I'm not saying any of that because she's sitting in the audience right now. She clearly just thinks that I am so perfect. So I never have any problems with my mother-in-law. But some of you all might. Some of you all might have some issues with some different members of your family. Some of you all probably have that family member who, when you do big events together, when you get together for birthdays, Christmas, whatever it might be, you might have that family member that has a little bit of problem with judgment. One of my favorite stories growing up, one of the things that I will never forget, was one such interaction that I had with one of my grandparents. We were, we were going over to their house for, it was some major event, I think it might have been Christmas, Christmas Eve, something like that, and I was your typical teenage boy. I'll be completely honest, I don't care at all what I wear. Uh, I didn't care back then. I kind of care now, but back then, as long as I was clothed and I was comfortable, I didn't really care. And my sisters let me know that I did not look good many days. My mom let me know the exact same thing. And so a lot of times when I would do family events, there was like three levels of judgment before I ever even left the house. There was sister number one that got to see me, and then the group of sisters, once they saw me before we left, and then my mom would see me. And if by some miracle I got through all three phases of those, then family members would judge me once we got over to whatever house we were going to at the time. And so <laughs> this one specific occasion, my mom decided that we needed to just bypass all of those things. That instead of having to worry about what I was going to wear, she wanted her night to be peaceful, and so she would just buy an outfit for, for that event that night. And it was a little more snug than I would like, and I had a lot less curves back then than I do now, but I still didn't like my clothes to fit super, super tight. And so I, when we go over to my grandparents' house, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm like pulling out my collar, trying to like loosen up the shirt, and just trying to feel a little bit more comfortable. And sure enough, my grandparent comes up and says, you look so good tonight. I'm just so glad you're not into that baggy look anymore. Knowing good and well, my closet's full of it, and if I could wear my baggy hoodie that night, like the love language that it was, I totally would have been. And you all probably have stories like that. You'll probably have tons of family members that love to give those backhanded compliments that it just never seems like you can do anything right. And what's sad is while that happens, a lot of times in our families, with the different things that go on with our families, it happens in church all the time. It, it, it's weird that the church is one of the most judgmental places, I think, in all of society. If you don't believe it's true, Jonathan, where are you? Hold up the iPad for a second. Th this, this person, whoever has that magic piece of equipment right there, receives more judgment, I think, in our church and in almost every church than it, it, any other job that, that we might have. Whoever controls the sound, the mute button, the sound levels, there, exactly, thank you so much for proving my point. 
it's, there is more judgment that happens there than anything else. I'll tell you all a fun story about the best backhanded compliment I ever got. I, I ever got in the church. I don't need, I, I'll let you all judge whether or not it was actually a compliment at all. But I got to deliver a sermon at a church for the first time, the first time there. I delivered several sermons before that, but at this, this specific church, I'm probably in my mid-20s at the time, and I delivered my first sermon before everybody, and I got, I got some compliments and stuff. But one person came up, I think they were really, like, thought they were giving it to me, and they said, Drew, I didn't expect much, but I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> the church is one of the most judgmental places in all the world, and it's so funny because as we're about to read through Matthew chapter 7, you will see very clearly Jesus says, do not judge, judge not. Uh, and if you've got your Bibles with you, great. If you don't have your Bibles, as we're about to, to go into this study, we actually have all of the, the new Bible journals that have come in. So if you weren't able to get one before, right by the door on that blue table, you can pick up a Bible journal that's just for Matthew. You'll be able to take notes right along with Matthew. So I encourage you to get, grab one of those. You can hop up right now and grab one. Or if you want to wait until you're, you're on your way out, feel free to grab those. It is always great to read God's Word when there's no distractions. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today. You can also find Bible notes on the QR code if you've got your phone with you. But before we dive into the scripture at all, I think we've got to start with the basic understanding of how they would have understood judgment throughout the course of their history. Every single person that heard Jesus talk about judgment from this sermon, as he's given his greater sermon on the mount that we've been going through for a couple months now, it feels like, they all had a preconceived notion for what it meant to judge someone. There was a, a definition that they had for judge or judgment. And so if you go back and look at the Old Testament, you see one word primarily that everything else is built upon that is almost always translated judge, but it could also mean rule, govern, vindicate, or deliver. So it was a word that wasn't just like the person that sits with a big gavel and a black cloak, whatever it might be. It wasn't just that person that handed down their, their judgment on whatever it might have been. There was a lot of different ways that judgment took place in the, in the Old Testament. Judges were supposed to dispense absolute impartial justice without taking any bribes. That was actually written in the law, that they were supposed to hand out justice without ever being bribed. Pretty good rule. They were also to protect the orphan, the widow, the stranger, anybody in the land that couldn't defend themselves without any form of outside influence uh, invading in on their judgment. And so a judge was supposed to do all of these things without anybody else having any kind of say on what they were trying to take judgment on. And so what we need to take away from that is the first thing and the most important thing is the judge from the beginning all the way to where we are now is God. Now, why is God the most important judge of all time? Because God is the one that sets the standard for everything else. If God sets the standard for everything else, then he has the right to not only deliver judgment, but also decide who else has the right to judge others. And so you see through the course of history that judgment would actually take place in a lot of different ways throughout their history. In the, the patriarchal period, where family members were kind of the ruling parties of the time, there were more tribes set out, the tribal leaders were the ones who were instituted to pass judgment along for every, everyday issues. 
You also see that in Moses' time, as he was out in the wilderness, Moses took it upon himself to do all of the judging for everyone. And so anytime someone had an issue, they went before Moses. And his entire day was filled up with judging people for a period of time. During the actual book, if you didn't know this in the Old Testament, there's a book that's called Judges. The judges look very different from just someone who sits in a chair and judges whether things are going right or wrong. Uh, the judges at those times were more like warlords, but they were still handing out justice for those who, who couldn't have it for themselves. And in fact, Samson, one of the most famous judges, struggles so much with his humanity that he tries to pass out judgment and ultimately kills himself while he is trying to kill all of his enemies and pass on judgment upon those who deserve to be judged for their misactions. And then finally, in the the, the period of the monarchy that we see with King David and King Saul and the kings that follow them, the kings were the judges, and they would send out regents, and, and they often had judges that were, were out on their behalf, and the priests as well doing all the judging for them. And so judging was a thing that was very, very important to them because it wasn't like you had a full jury. The judge was the standard. The judge was, in fact, the judge, jury, and executioner in this sense. They were the ones who got to dish out the punishment for anything that happened. And so that sounds really, really good if everything is judged off of God's standards. But the moment that people start to intervene, and I would argue the more and more that you saw people get involved in the process, the more the standards started to lower and change based on human standards. And I think you'll find today that as we, we study through Matthew chapter 7, that's our biggest issue is that God does set a standard for us to follow, but the problem with judgment, and the reason we struggle with judgment even in the church today, is because suddenly God's standard isn't the one that we judge everyone else to be a part of. And so if we want to correct this action, if we don't want to be the judgmental place where Jonathan is afraid to mute or unmute my mic at the inappropriate times while I'm talking, we have to correct what judgment looks like in our church. But what is, what is Jesus talking about when it comes to this judgment? Is he talking about all types of judgment? Should we not pass judgment ever? Or is it okay to judge people sometimes? Let's look at, uh, at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and we'll start right away with kind of the main heading of the entire section. We're going to do verses 1 through 6. And he says, Judge not that you be not judged. Basically, the less we judge others, the less others will judge us. So if we don't want to see other people telling us all the things that we do wrong or talking bad about us behind our backs or any of those things, then we need to recognize that the less we do that, the less people will do that to us. It is an irrefutable law that when you choose not to do those things, you'll see those things happen less in your life. Judgment is something we want to avoid at all causes because when we do not judge, we then are not judged either. And we can avoid judging others in a lot of different ways. We'll see this play out more and more as we go through Scripture. But if we just find ourselves in a conversation where we are judging other people, we can simply remove ourselves from said conversation. The irrefutable law and the truth that we learned from the great philosopher Justin Timberlake is what goes around comes around. The greater philosopher Jesus says you reap what you sow. So if you are trying to see this happen less in your life, where people are judging you and you would like to see it stop, maybe there's a problem with judgment within you, where you are judging people. And so as you judge others, you will too be judged. We want to end the circle. In fact, that's what Jesus talks about 
In verse 2, he moves on and quickly says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you too will be judged, like I just said. And with the measure you use it, you will also have it measured to you. This is dangerous. Because as I said, judgment sounds great when we have a righteous, just, and holy God that is passing the standard for which we are judged upon. The problem is, when you and I start to make the decisions about what that standard looks like, it waves heavily away from what God destined everything to be. That's when we start adding in rules. That's when we start to see others the way we want to see them, and we want to see other people do things by our standards and what we want. And so this creates a twofold problem within each and every one of us. The first problem is we often, expect, uh, we often fail to live up to the standards that we expect from others. When we want other people to live that w- the way that uh, we desire, they never stand up to what we want to do. But what's worse is we can't even stand up to what we want other people to do. And here's the bigger problem that comes in. Problem number two is you know that this is a problem when you're sitting here talking about judgment and thinking about judgment and you have someone else in mind as the problem that you hope they're listening to this for. Judgment is a problem because a lot of times we do it without ever even thinking about it. And in fact, we can be sitting here thinking about judging others while thinking about somebody else that, man, I hope they're listening right now. Or, hey, I need to send this sermon to so-and-so. Or, hey, somebody really needs to hear this. It's so built into our DNA to judge other people based on our own personal standards that we rarely recognize that we fail to live up to our own standards and it just goes right over our head. I notice this on a weekly basis with myself. Uh, This will shock a lot of you. I have a tad bit of road rage. I struggle with it a little bit. I believe that when I leave my house or when I leave work, when I get in the car, I want the fastest, most efficient way possible to get home. I want as little time to take place between uh, exit to entrance. And so sometimes lights get in the way. Sometimes people don't drive the way I think they should drive. And in fact, I notice at least once a week, I kid you not, I will get really, really frustrated with somebody for doing silly things like not using a blinker or merging into the wrong side of traffic or running through a red light. And then instantly, after I have been mad at somebody for doing that, the Holy Spirit will just kind of knock on the back of my mind after I do the same thing, sometimes in the exact same drive where I just got mad at somebody else for doing it. And we do this throughout all courses of our life. And maybe you've heard the, the Holy Spirit in the back of your mind with less trivial things than driving, where you wish that you, you've passed judgment on someone just because it's in your nature, and then recognize later on that you felt up to hold up, to, to measure up to the standard that you were trying to hold someone else to. We all struggle with judgment. And Jesus illustrates it in a pretty humorous way. He says this in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a big log in your own eye? And what Jesus is talking about, it's not like a log, like a lumberjack just cut down. He's talking about a giant piece of wood that is probably used for like a floor joist, or, or something to hold a roof up as they're building houses. I'm not strong enough to carry any of those things. So I have a wooden stick to help illustrate how ridiculous this looks. And so if I have a large floor joist sticking out of my eye, 
and I'm trying to judge someone on the speck in your eye, you can see, one, how ridiculous I look, but also, two, I can't see you very well because I feel like I'm poking my eye out with this giant piece of broomstick handle. This is the problem that we have as Christians. So much of our time is spent looking at the way other people do things that we miss what's going on in our own lives. We fail to see the problems of our daily life and what we do wrong as well. And here's, here's the truth that I think we need to take away from this. You do not have the right to judge someone just because they profess faith to be a follower of Jesus. Just because someone else says they're a Christian, you don't have the right to hold them to that standard. You see, the issue that we're dealing with here is a struggle of power. When, when we're talking about judgment, when, when God judges, God has the power to judge because he is the standard. He's the one that we should follow, and he automatically has the power to judge us, and one day there will be a great judgment for every single human being. The problem with each and every one of us is that when we judge other people, we are taking that power ourselves to deliver judgment. It wasn't given to us. God has not bestowed upon any one of us or myself to judge all of Christianity based on what we read in Scripture. Anytime that we judge someone based off of what we read in the Bible, we are taking the power to judge others, and it has not been given to us. And so Jesus says this, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so what we've done as the church is we've taken this, uh, and we've struggled, and we've had this tension on how are we supposed to judge someone while also helping, like this verse says, take the speck out of the brother's eye. If I finally do take the log out of my eye, can I then judge my brother? But notice that word is not in verse 5. I didn't say, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to judge the speck in your brother's eye. No. What I said was, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see, what he's talking about is the avenue through which we flow into spiritual maturity allows us to then not judge people based on our own growth and maturity, but instead we have the ability to keep one another accountable. Spiritual maturity does not lead to judgment, but to accountability. And so going back to the power metaphor, if, if God already has the power and he's not giving us the power to judge, What's awesome about accountability when it comes to each and every one of us as a Christian is we are giving the power to one another. We're not taking the power to judge each other, but we can come to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and give that power over to one another, allowing us to hold each other accountable. However, if we are not giving someone permission to keep us accountable, that is when we easily fall into judgment. And the church has, has been in this tension for a long, long time. Because we see throughout the Bible that we are told to keep each other accountable, but it's really hard to do it without falling into judgment. There's verses like Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's telling us that it takes all of us together to grow closer and become stronger in our relationship and following of Christ. Ephesians 4, 25 says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. 
So we are told we are supposed to speak truth to our neighbor. Matthew 18, 15, and 17 talks about dealing with church issues and how we're supposed to come together when we have a disagreement, but we have to bring a third party in uh, to administer the conversation. But I think Galatians chapter 6 is the passage that does it best when it comes to dealing with this topic of judgment versus accountability. Notice what Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I, I emphasized a couple things in there that you need to notice. It says the people who are spiritual, those who I would call spiritually mature, should restore, not criticize, not judge, but restore the person who has done wrong, who has had the transgression, with a spirit of gentleness, not a spirit of sarcasm, as much as some of us would like, not a spirit of, like I said, criticism. We are supposed to be gentle in the way that we correct and keep each other accountable and not judge. The difference between judgment and accountability is all about where the power comes from and whether it has been given to one person or another. Now, we see this in our church play out in a lot of different ways. Uh, we, we see people in our church who have asked others to keep them accountable. Rob and I have, have agreed upon one another that we will keep each other accountable of many different things in our lives. And if I ever do something wrong, he has no problem letting me know. And as Rob is abundantly clear of, I have no problem telling Rob what he has done wrong. It's just the great thing that comes with accountability. And when you feel like you can be honest with someone, it's amazing how much people can grow when you're able to speak truth gently. I probably should do a better job of that in each other's lives. And you all probably see this in groups that you have within our church as well, or maybe there's some that you would like to be a part of, where you can keep each other accountable, where you can grow closer to Christ through the ability to keep each other accountable. And it's all about the agreed-upon power exchange where you are giving someone else the power to pass accountability on you and not judgment. Because when we do this wrong, we see the pendulum swing the opposite direction. We go from judgment to where we get it completely wrong, which Jesus talks about in verse 6. It seems like when, when, when Jesus makes this move, I, I never understood what Jesus was trying to say here. It seemed like a random phrase that he just bunched in with the beginning of Matthew chapter 7. Here's what it says. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That seems strange. That doesn't seem to fit in with do not judge others and remove the plank from your eye before removing the speck in another's eye. But what he's trying to say is notice what happens when we move from judgment on one side to the exact opposite. You wouldn't take your best food from dinner and immediately give it to your dog, like he said at the very beginning. You wouldn't take the nicest things in your house and throw them in the, the pen with pigs. It's just not something you do with the nicest things in life. And so Jesus here is talking about holiness. And we come from a good place at first when we try to judge others when it comes to helping others grow spiritually. But when we don't do that, and we don't keep each other accountable then there is no holiness. When people, especially Christians, are allowed to do whatever they want and they're not held accountable to the standards of following Jesus, then holiness just falls to the wayside. No one pursues Jesus because there's no accountability within the church. 
And you, you can read any news article recently about Christian church leaders, and you'll find somebody who has stumbled because there was no accountability for that Christian church leader. You see churches that fall apart because there's no accountability for the leadership in the, at the top. And that's why it's so important that, yes, we cannot pass judgment on one another. That's not our role. But we can hold each other accountable like Jesus talks about here. We can make sure that people are measuring up to the standards of Jesus when they have given us the power to do so. But how do we avoid doing this? How can we make sure that we don't drift into judgment, we stay in accountability, and don't just let both of those things pass to the wayside so that holiness just evaporates? Well, I have three things that I think will help every single one of us. One of them we've already talked a lot about. First, leave the judgment to God. When it comes to judgment, none of us has that right. None of us is perfect. None of us is able to hold up to that highest standard. So let him be the standard. Let him define what that standard is. And suddenly, when it comes to judging others, we don't have to worry about it because we know what the standard actually is. This is really important for when it comes to judging yourself. I think a lot of us in here are our own worst critics. None of you will judge me harder than me. And that's just the way that our human nature acts in a, a lot of times. But suddenly we even judge ourselves less when we use Jesus as the standard and not the other standards that we're trying to live up to. Second thing, seek personal maturity before trying to help others. I think there's so many things that we try to do in the church to grow closer to Christ that cause us to look at others and look down upon others because they're not as spiritually mature as us. And I think that's the weakness that we all have. If we want to see others grow closer to Christ, then we need to become more spiritually mature ourselves. If we want to see other people reading Scripture, if we want to see other people praying, if we want to see other people fasting, if we want to see other people growing closer to God, then we have to be led to do so ourselves. You cannot lead someone to a place you have not been. You cannot keep somebody accountable of something that you've never done. And so we need to grow spiritually mature before we can ever keep somebody else accountable of the things that we are immature in. Third, keep those who have asked you accountable. I've already stated it. You've got to find people in your life that can keep you accountable. But it comes from two different sides. And I think this, this picture behind me is going to illustrate that really well. Uh, you'll notice behind me, this is from a Spartan race. Apparently, there's people that get together and like run willingly by choice and put obstacles in their way to make it harder than just running already is. So in, in these Spartan races, there's these obstacles that come into play. And they, I think they have like tough mutters and stuff that do a lot of the same thing. They happen all over the country. But you'll notice that there's two things happening in this picture. You'll notice the guy on top of the wall who's already been clearly to the top who is helping the woman get there as well. But then you'll notice the two men at the bottom, one specifically, is making sure that she does not fall backwards. And I think this is the spirit of accountability that Jesus would like each and every one of us to have. Because we need people in our lives who can keep us accountable of the things that we are trying to achieve. We need people who have been there and the things that we want to grow in. And those people can help us get to the top of the wall. They can help us become spiritually mature, but they have to have been there first. And at the exact same time as we become mature, as we become leaders, we need people who can keep us accountable to make sure we don't stumble backwards. Uh, 
Because it's really, really easy as Christians, as we're pushing forward, to slip and fall every now and then. The Christian walk has often been described as taking two steps forward and one step back, or sometimes one step forward and three steps back. But if we have people centered around us that can help keep us accountable, that can help us move forward without falling backwards, it's amazing how much growth that each and every one of us can have. That's what we're talking about when it comes to judgment. And you'll notice throughout this entire section of Scripture, as we talk about Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount delivering uh, words of wisdom after words of wisdom, life-changing stuff, the entire time, all of it centers around the heart behind each and every one of us. And this is truly a heart problem when it comes to judgment. Because if we're not secure, if we're not okay with who we are, if, if we struggle with our identity with Christ, then we're going to judge nonstop. It's just who we are. But if we want to remain accountable and we want to pursue God within the deepest parts of our heart, it's then and only then that we will truly see us grow closer to him through the help of one another. We have so many people in our church, I think, that, that are great at being at the top of the hill and helping others up or being at the bottom to make sure we don't fall back. And I think all of us here just need to help find those who will keep us accountable of the places we want to reach. And that's what we have to do as a church. We don't judge, but we also make sure we care about holiness. And that all happens through accountability, not judgment. Let me pray for you guys this morning. Uh, Lord, I am so grateful for the amazing love that you've shown each and every one of us here. Uh, Lord, <laughs> a lot of us have passed judgment multiple times already this morning, including myself. Uh, this is something that we struggle with to uh, our very core uh, it's something that we, uh, as Christians, we want other people to grow closer to you. And even though it starts there, God, uh, we struggle. And Lord, I, I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I'm so thankful that you were, uh, are there to be the support for us so that we don't fall back into temptation a lot of times. But Lord, I, I pray for the leaders in our church, uh, that they would be, be willing and strong enough and ready to keep those accountable who need it. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who have uh, been hurt, those who uh, are ready to see change, that want to grow closer to you. Uh, I pray that you help them find accountability. And Lord, I, I pray for the people around us who are, are there to be supporters, to hold one another up, uh, to make sure that we're always moving towards you. Lord, we're so grateful that you're there even when we fall short. We love you, Lord, and it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.